Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We bring on registered dietitian. She's a national spokesperson, a brand ambassador, and she's the founder of a nutritionals company, Kelly's Choice, and her website is kellyschoice.org. Kelly Springer to the podcast, and this was an awesome conversation, probably the most Jeff has ever talked in a uh, in a conversation that we've had, because this is right up his wheelhouse, uh, but we talk a lot about food, we talk a lot about health, um, and it's a great conversation for for all the parents, kids, and coaches out there. Uh, but before we do get over to Kelly, let's bring on the talent of the podcast, Jeff Lavecchio. Jeff, what's going on today, man? Not much, my dude. Just uh, enjoying a nice little morning here in St. Louis. It's like negative 50 here. Well, for St. Louis, since it feels that way, I think it's like 20 <laughs> degrees outside. It's uh, it's pretty brutes magoots, but, uh, you know, just feels like hockey weather. So kind of walking in the rink when it's cold and nipply like that feels nice. Yeah, I think it's uh, the, the first snow is always like awesome. The first yeah. snow is like it's so cool, and and even uh, like I live on a lake, and it was really cool because it snowed a couple nights ago for the first time, and it was a uh, like a really bright moon out too. So like the moon was reflecting off the lake, and then there was a the snow that it was reflecting off also. So it's like it was almost like it was bright out, and it was it was really neat. Oh, it sounds so romantical. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, moving on. Uh, so, um, hey, man, this was such a great conversation, and we've been wanting to get a nutrition and nutritionist on for a while, and uh, just so many good little nuggets because both you and I have talked about on the podcast and in the past about how, like, we didn't really think about food growing up and and how much it can make us, you know, healthy from a health and well being standpoint, but also from a performance standpoint as well. And it was really cool to be able to talk to Kelly, who's extremely knowledgeable about everything that when it comes to nutrition and, and kind of get her sense on, on both of those. Yeah. I mean, it's hilarious. You know, it's the same thing. Training was the same thing when we were coming up. There was no talk about training. Really. There was dry land quote unquote, which is actually like the opposite of what I want pretty much any team doing just basically get, run around and get sweaty with zero science or thought behind what you're doing and nutrition. There was zero, there was even less emphasis on nutrition for us. And, you know, we talked about it with her, like some people think, Oh, I got a diet. I got a diet. And it's like, you don't got to die. You just got to learn to like make one or two better decisions at every single meal. If you make one better decision at every meal, you're golden. You get a protein, carb, vegetable at every meal, you're doing pretty well. And so like you just, and, and it can't be like a quarter of the time. It can't be half the time. It's gotta be something that's every time. If you want to get the most out of your body and you have to look at food as fuel and the better the fuel you put in, the more you're going to get out of it. And, and so it was, it was awesome talking to her. She was, she was great to have on. Yeah, for sure. And I've had like an interesting kind of deal with food because, you know, growing up, I didn't eat that healthy. And then when you get to college and you figure out that, oh, if you eat healthy, it's going to be better for you. You kind of do that. And then, you know, you go back to life after hockey now and I don't necessarily eat as well, but now I'm, I'm kind of conscious to it. And I started changing my diet a little bit and, and very gradually because th- there were so many times when I'd be like, all right, I'm done eating sugar. 
and then like I would do it for like two days and then I would like eat sugar again. I'd be like, ah, it's too hard or something like that. (laughs) But I've started to take like a much more gradual approach to it and be like, hey, like if I have a candy bar a day to start, then that's okay because I got a sweet tooth. And then that, you know, once you start to do that, then it's like, you know, maybe I'll go to every other day and it was a lot easier to do that. And then eventually you can kind of like weed those things out. So I think like for, at least for me, and I would imagine that a lot of people kind of go through it. It's like, it's really hard to just turn it on and turn it off. Like it's got to be a habit just like everything else. And you got to make small incremental gains to be able to make big gains in the big picture. It's just got to be part of your lifestyle. Like, like you just said, like, that's exactly what I tell um, my clients that are non-athletes, you know, you can't go all in hundred percent on day one. I'm cutting out everything. I'm only going to eat cardboard, you know, like all these (laughs) things, because it's not sustainable. You just got to make it part of your life and make it a habit and make it a lifestyle change that you're going to eat healthy. And what's crazy is as soon as you start doing it, you feel better. You have no brain fog. You sleep better. You have more energy. You perform better. Like everything gets better when you feel your body in a more efficient, more effective manner. So you could go out and eat 50 hot wings and you think you're living your life. And I'm over there eating a a, a grilled chicken and and some salad that tastes really good or what, or whatever. Some vegetables cooked in a nice sauce still tastes great. And it's healthy tomorrow. Your butt hurts because you got to murder the toilet. And I'm just (laughs) going on with my life, having great energy, not lethargic. So it's like, are you living a better life because you're eating those hot wings? No, I think I'm living a better life because I'm not on the toilet all day. You know what I mean? So it's like, you just got to change, change the way you look at things. Yeah. And, and I've had to do that for sure. Um, I, I will admittedly say that I have not taken care of my health as well as I have wanted to probably for the past couple of years or so. And recently I've started to do that by making some better decisions by going to the gym and making some better decisions from, from eating better. And I do like, I can't even tell you how much better I feel mentally, physically, just energy, just even like you said, like falling asleep is easier. Um, and, and a lot of that has to do, I think with the food side of it, because I know my exercise has been kind of steady. But there's there's times like a lot of times I'll say, okay, it's the weekend, so I'm going to focus on my food, eating right Monday through Friday, and then I'll let myself kind of go on the weekend a little bit. And then Monday comes around, and I'm like just lethargic and just like so just – it takes me a couple days to even get back to feeling better again, um, a couple days of feeling healthy. So it is a, it's a lifestyle choice. Um, I do think it's a choice that you can make. And I think Kelly gave us some great tips and some great pointers on a lot of ways that we can help to make better choices when it comes to our food. Yeah. And Kelly gave us some great advice and we talked about some ideas like food is your fuel. It's so important. Your parents who are listening to this, you know, how gung ho are you to buy the newest equipment or bring your kid to a workout with somebody like me or to a skills coach or extracurricular this or extracurricular that? But what are they doing way more than all of that? And what will determine if they have energy to go do those things? the food and the fuel they're put, you're putting in their body. So why not go see a nutritionist or a dietitian, even if it's only for one session, just so you both learn some tricks. What should I eat on the road? What's a good thing to eat every day? What are the, what are the most important vegetables, vitamins I need to get? It just makes sense. You do it every single day. So why not spend, even if it's only one session with one of those people, so you can learn a little bit more how to, how to maximize what you're doing. 
Yeah, totally. Well, it's interesting. Like the obviously we have an election coming up in the next uh, in the next year, and one of the biggest things that people are talking about is healthcare. Like it's a huge big thing, and it, as it always is, because our healthcare system is crazy um, and complicated. Uh, you want to fix the healthcare system? Give everybody a nutritionist. Honestly, and bring Jim <laughs> and bring and bring gym class back. Yeah, to schools. And and teach kids to be healthy and live healthy lives. Like, don't let them get fat. Don't let them get them interested in exercise. Like, exercise releases so many positive chemicals in our brain and does all these positive things to us. Like, we need to be doing it. And people want to put no emphasis on it. It's like, what are you talking about? If you can't move, you can't go to work. You yeah. can't do anything. Like, yeah. figure it out, peeps. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And and I certainly learned a ton. I remember, like, when I was playing junior hockey, and this is not even a joke. When I was playing junior hockey, there was this restaurant by our house called Flatlanders, and they had unbelievable <laughs> buffalo wings. So you probably remember it. And I ate buffalo wings as my pregame meal because I was kind of superstitious, and I must have had like a good game after eating Flatlanders and buffalo wings. That was my pregame meal before junior hockey games when I was 17 <laughs> years old. <laughs> Like and probably thick, like nothing else, like just wings, like no veggies. No, no nothing. It was wings. That was it. Like literally like 15 wings or something like that. That was my fuel for my hockey games in the USHL as I was trying to get a college scholarship. And you were 15 or 16. No, in I was the 17. USHL. Don't just get. Oh, no, okay. this was, this was a little bit later on. I mean, who knows what I was eating when I was 15, but I just remember that because my mom on her way home from work, she would pick up Buffalo wings from Flatlanders and I would eat it at, at home. And that was literally, that was my, my diesel fuel that was running my engine as, uh, as I was trying to, you know, achieve my dreams of playing college and pro hockey. And I think, I think about that now and I'm just like, Oh my God, that is, that is insane. Yeah. I believe me. I remember. Cause when she would go to get that for you, she'd always get me a burger too. <laughs> <laughs> the year I lived with you. So I always got flatlanders. I don't even know if you're still a restaurant in Buffalo Grove. Or they whatever. are not, but they're not anymore. It's, my it's God, they have a good burger though. Wow. Unreal. And, and great Buffalo wings. <laughs> 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 but you think Kelly about would it. not be proud right now. No, she, she would, would not, not be. She listened to this episode. She'd be like, they did not. I wish I would have known them when they were kids. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that's really cool about having Kelly on is like, she is so passionate about this too. And you can, that certainly comes out in this conversation. And she's like, she's big time, man. Like she's been on good morning America and she does a lot of press appearances and stuff like that. So the fact that she was able to, to, uh, to come on our podcast and, and, you know, relay a, a ton of great information to, to us and our listeners about food and and choices and, and things like that i mean it was this this is going to be i think one of our most popular podcasts that we've done because it's so yeah. practical too and it's so important and so necessary 100 i mean completely necessary you eat multiple meals every single day for your entire life we need to eat so you should learn how to eat it's very important can't thank her enough for coming on and if she's listening follow me back on instagram <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, now this was a great episode, and obviously we want to thank Kelly, but we want to thank all of you listeners as well. And uh, I just threw a tweet out, uh, you know, earlier today, you know, about all of the the you know the feedback that we're getting about the podcast and about the ratings and reviews that we're getting on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. And uh, again, we say this all the time, but it certainly goes a long way um, in getting our message out there. So the more you can share us, the more you can you know give us ratings and reviews. I mean, it's it, we appreciate it so much, and uh, it's it's 
it's just so awesome. And uh, also, we want to thank Gel Sticks as well. Gel Sticks is our title sponsor for the podcast. And uh, so if you would like, go to gelsticks.com, G-E-L-S-T-X.com, and, uh, and grab an unbelievable shooting training aid. Um, we are going to have some more information about Gel Sticks in, in upcoming episodes. We're going to bring somebody on that actually works and, and is a partner there in John Lounsbury, so you get some more information. But uh, yeah, gelsticks.com, use uh, promo code THINKTANK, one word, uh, and uh, get a little bit of a discount there. So again, we say this at the end of every episode, man, like this is all about relationships. We enjoy getting better and learning new things every time that we come on here. And uh, with this episode with Kelly, I mean, I I don't know how much more I learned than you, but I probably learned a lot more because you're more steeped in nutrition. But this was uh, this was was a game changer for me for sure. Yeah. I clearly nerded out on this episode. I love all this stuff. So. <laughs> for, all, anyway. for all of everybody out there that enjoys Jeff talking, this is probably going to be your favorite episode because he, he kind of ran the show uh, on this one. But uh, great conversation with uh, Kelly Springer. Uh, her website is kellyschoice.org, and they do some amazing things, have some awesome services if you do want to uh, you know talk to a nutritionist or get some more information. So uh, without further ado... Let's bring it on over to Kelly Springer. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast a registered dietitian, national spokesperson, brand ambassador, and the founder of nutritional company Kelly's Choice, Kelly Springer. Kelly, how are we doing today? Great. I feel good about myself now. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Just try. That was an awesome introduction. I think you should just come behind me wherever I am. (laughs) Just your own personal hype man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like the Kevin Hart. I'm loving it. I hope. (laughs) I hope everyone's as excited as I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we we uh, we can't wait to to get into a lot of a lot of great food topics because you know our nutrition is something not only for our wellness, but we have a lot of athletes that listen to our podcast. Um, a lot of parents of athletes that listen to our podcast who are kind of looking for an edge, and you know, with a ton of research being done in the nutritional field, that you know, all this all the science is turning towards how important it is to our wellness and for our performance. For for our, for our athletes. So, you know, just to kind of start it off, like, um, you know, why would you say food is so important to our wellness and for our performance if we're athletes? So food is an amazing thing. We, um, I do presentations of food is medicine and food for performance and all these different topics. And it doesn't matter if you're coming in to see me as an athlete or if you have type 2 diabetes or something else, um, or you have ADHD as a kid. Um, if we can get people to eat in a standardized way that incorporates all of the food groups, we actually can see that performance and energy levels increase, which is pretty amazing. So if you think about even like a Michael Phelps or something like that, how is it possible that he can get better and better even as he ages? It's nutrition. They have been tweaking his nutrition all these years to keep getting him better and better and better. Plus the training that goes along with it. It's not just nutrition. <laughs> um, but it's pretty, pretty cool that they can, you know, make this star athlete even better um, through his nutrition practices. What do you mean by better? What does that mean? Can you uh, define that a little bit more for the listeners? Well, I'm going to, in the way of swimming, as my teenage daughter is leaving the house right now as a swimmer, um, you get faster. You drop time. Um, also increasing endurance. 
So what they know about nutrition now, I truly, truly wish that I knew as an athlete myself and, you know, things that I could have done better. So what they're learning now is in the way of recovery. Um, if you think about a gas can in a car, basically like your gas tank, and if you were to uh, fill the gas tank halfway up and tra- plan to take a trip and you start driving and the gas tank runs out, right? That's what they're now learning about nutrition, that when you are ready right after the practice or the game, that you need to fill your tank completely or you're going to be going into the next practice, the next meet or the next game already depleted. You're not going to be able to make the complete trip or you're not going to, be able to complete the whole game. So what they're now learning is all of these trips, and it's really biology, it's a science, that if you have this perfect combination of carbohydrates and proteins within like 15 to 30 minutes after a workout, you actually can replace and replenish that gas tank all the way to full so that when you're there for the next game or practice, you have all of everything that you need to succeed in that next game or practice or meet. So Michael Phelps, they're now making sure that he's having this perfect combination after every single practice so that he is ready for the meet to be at his full tank. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. So we'll go right into it. Get, get down to the nitty gritty. Then what is that perfect combination and where should people be looking for uh, uh, to get that perfect combination into them right after their games? Okay. So if you think about the reason why chocolate milk got so such notoriety is because it has the perfect combination of carbohydrates to proteins. And this is something a lot of athletes don't understand. They think that they have to, and they've heard that they need to get protein right afterwards but they're not really great at getting the carbohydrate. And it's actually, you need more carbohydrate than you do protein. So it's three to one, you need more carb than protein. You still need protein for muscle recovery, but you need that carbohydrate to go in and replenish the cell. That's what's going to fill the tank up. So that's why, like I said, chocolate milk got that because it has that perfect three to one. But you don't have to have chocolate milk. You could have an apple and peanut butter. You could have... Um, some people love like cherry bundy um, and have a handful of nuts. Okay, so it doesn't have to be chocolate milk, but you're trying to get that ratio of carbohydrate to protein right after the the race or the practice of the meat. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I think that's something a lot of people now, at least in the, in the hockey world, know, especially the higher levels of the kids that like Topher and I coach and the levels we played at. But I'll ask you a really tough question because people always ask me, you know, about this. And, and for me too, like I haven't had dairy in six years. Um, once I stopped having dairy, like acne went away, energy was increased and you, you bring up chocolate milk. And when I was playing in college, uh, for 10 years ago, um, (laughs) they, they started giving us chocolate milk after for the guys who didn't have those shakes that had a three to one carb to protein mixture. But getting really intense with, with nutrition, like we are what the animals we eat, eat. So if that cow is not moving and it's being fed soy and corn and it's pumped with steroids, should I be drinking that cow's chocolate milk? Well, there is that. And we're lucky. I mean, we're, where I live and I'm not sure how far this podcast goes, but I live in central New York where we have more cows than we have people. I don't know if you know that, but Cuba County actually has more dairy cows. Yeah. So that's why 
to Bonnie and, and um, Burn Dairy. Like, that's why all of them are here. Like, Siggy's, like, they're all up in central New York because we have a ton of dairy here. Um, but so it is, and I honestly think, Jeff, that you do need to be a smart consumer. You need to know where your products are coming from. And I think that across the board. Um, I know there's a lot of documentaries that have come out about, um, you know, even tilapia, where there was chicken coops over the pens, right? There's, there's been these weird documentaries, but I think these documentaries have brought light that we need to know where our food's coming from. So in the way of dairy, I agree with you. I think that we, you know, we have the ability to understand and know where our food is coming from and to know what it's getting. Um, there's a book by Michael Pollan um, that's called The Omnivore's Dilemma. And if you haven't read it, I recommend it. I actually did it on Audible. Um, but I like that he puts it out in a way that he explains where food comes from. And he's not polarizing. He's just really good at giving you the information of what you need to make correct your own decision. So if you want to eat McDonald's, he tells you this is what you're going to get. And this is where it comes from. And this is how this is. Or if you go to your local farm, this is what you're getting. Um, so if we talk about in the way of uh, chickens that, you know, one is fed grass-fed in a higher feed and omega-3 sources with chia seed and flax seed, it's a different product than a conventional chicken. It actually gives you completely different nutrition. So in the way of dairy, we actually find that dairy issues are stemming a lot of times from gut bacteria issues not necessarily from the dairy itself. Dairy has been eaten across all ages and times. I mean, kefir was started back in BC days. So it's not necessarily, I think, the dairy. I think it's more of us having really bad digestive health, um, and it, has, it causes some gas bloating when lactose is present. So you may have been experiencing that. And, and also, I think everything in moderation. I mean, if you're just drinking gallons of milk, that's not good either. <laughs> So it's um but does that make sense in that way of that answering that question? Yeah, yeah, it totally does. I mean, the big thing that I tell people is like if you're going to eat meat, like you should know what your meat ate because whatever your meat ate, like or if they're pumped full of steroids and all these things, like whatever they're they're getting, that's going into their blood, it's going to their muscles and you're eating that. Um so I yeah. love that you I love that you said like you need to know where your food is coming from. Um something yeah. that that when I was younger and, and, you know, now bodybuilders have really taken this up is the, the whole idea of looking at macros, which means macronutrients, protein, carbs, and fats. And I feel like a lot of people nowadays who start to get in nutrition, they just hear about macros and they think about what they're eating calorically. So, okay, I played hockey today. I burned 750 calories in practice. I got to get at least that back in me, but they don't think about nutritionally like is what else is in there where is it coming from like yeah you're getting protein but is it is it a clean protein like is it something is it mcdonald's protein because yeah there's protein in those mcdonald's hamburgers but what else are you eating that kind of thing so how should people be kind of looking at that oh i need the three to one protein to carb after a game or after a workout or carb to protein um but you need to think deeper into what are you getting, not just the caloric content on the back of the label. Yeah, and that's why we were talking before we started today about real food, right? And so trying to make sure that when you look at a food label or you look at an item, if that food, like today I was doing private practice and I showed the guy the back of a farro bag. And if you don't know what farro is, it's one of the original grains of Italy. It's great, tastes nutty, delicious. 
So I was showing him and I said, when the coolest thing, when you flip it over and you read the back, the ingredient says Pharaoh, there's nothing else added. So I think if we get back to real food, foods that truly come from the earth and come from, you know, our local farmers, we wouldn't have the health issues we're having today. Love that. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah, for sure. And one of the things that I've kind of looked into, because I had some stomach issues in the past, you, you talked about the gut health and the bacteria inside the gut. And it seems like, I'd love to ask you the question, but it seems like our gut health um, triggers so many other things in our body. So when our gut is unhealthy, our energy levels are low, we're not as mentally clear, we're kind of foggy, our joints ache a little bit more and stuff like that. So, you know, in your line of work, is that something that you feel is, is something that's a, a pretty big deal, making sure, like if our gut health is better, then our overall health and well-being would be better too? I think that's so funny you asked that question because it is now the hottest topic in nutrition because we now know almost every single chronic disease is a result from poor gut health, uh, so, which is crazy. But if you break it down, it makes complete sense. So what they know now is that there's over 100 trillion bacterial cells in your digestive tract. And I want you to think about these, um, these bacteria. They're little teeny bacteria, and they're covering this whole digestive tract, and they do a ton. So they actually manufacture vitamins, which means they make vitamins, which is kind of crazy to think about. But they make B12, which is energy, and they're responsible for folate and vitamin K2, which is for bone health, and the list goes on and on. They also are responsible for our immunity and our metabolism. And so what we find over years of antibiotic use, stress, low-fiber diets, uh, a low um, hydration intake, we actually find that these gut bacteria can die off and bad bacteria can take over. And so when we're talking about in the way of acne, low energy, and all the things you were saying, um, luggish fouls, IBS, diverticulitis, all these issues that are stirring up, and there's about 74% of Americans dealing with this, we can truly, with adding in fiber-rich sources, hydration, a low chemical, like we were talking about before, you know, not getting chemicals, if we can do that, we can actually spur these gut bacteria and get them back and working. Very cool. Kind of yeah. It is very, very cool. Very cool. So I got involved, and I know it's kind of a side story, but it's, it's kind of cool that it happened this way. So my daughter, Olivia, she's now 12. At six years old, um, she was having, we thought, lactose issues. So we took her in, and instead of the test going up being lactose intolerance or staying the same for nothing, it went backwards. And we actually took her in, and we found out from a, a resident in Rochester that she had an overgrowth of bad bacteria and it wasn't the lactose. It was this overgrowth. And I had, you know, this is six years ago. I I didn't know enough about gut health. It wasn't really being talked about yet. And this is when I dove in and started taking integrative courses. And now it's kind of getting mainstream. It's out there, but I can't tell you how many patients we've been able to help now of understanding gut bacteria. And it's huge for performance, huge. So if you can get those gut bacteria working properly, we're finding that the, the performance of the athlete is greatly increased. One of the, one of the doctors that I follow, uh, nutritionist, di- dietitian, says that uh, 
they were thinking a few years ago, the brain sends signals to the gut. And he's like, nah, I think it's the gut sends the signals to the brain. And you hear about people with quote unquote brain fog, you know, people who are, and maybe they're eating what they think is healthy, but, um, for them, maybe, you know, it's, something's not, not clicking, you know, they have a food allergy, food sensitivity. And once they change that up, all of a sudden, like they think better, they, they move better, they feel better, they sleep better. So it's super interesting, but that kind of goes into, um, how do you feel about food, food sensitivities and, and should people take, uh, these tests where, you know, you take a test, I, I haven't even done them, but I, I want to, you take the test, you send it in and they tell you, Hey, like your body is sensitive to, tomatoes or, or whatever it may be. How do you feel about those? Well, there now is, cause we do see a lot of people with digestive issues and food sensitivities. So I'm sure you've probably heard of the diet called FODMAP. So FODMAP is an acronym and it stands for the saccharides that can cause gas, bloating, irritable bowel, things like that. So this is not a, it's not a fad diet and it's not a diet that you stay on the rest of your life. Um, what it is, it's an elimination diet. You eliminate the foods that fall under that FODMAP um, category. And you usually should, you should work with a dietitian when doing this. Um, but it's over a six to eight week period where you eliminate those types of foods out that can cause those issues. And then you add them back in slowly we find that over time and, and during this period of six to eight weeks, if we can help um, actually reintroduce good gut bacteria, that we find we can get people to eat almost the majority of those foods and we find out what the trigger is. So I, when I first heard of it, I thought it was another fad diet. I was very leery until I got more education on how that's actually helping food sensitivities. So does that clear that up a little bit yeah yeah that's 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 really cool one of my um my my sister's done that i played with a couple of guys who did that as well um one of the guys that i train is is with the penguins organization in pittsburgh and i was talking to their strength coach their ahl strength coach and he was i I wish i had the email with me where he was talking about which companies he thought were reputable or not as far as like some of these food sensitivity tests and you know like oh your your body can't break down such and such vitamin as well as others and things like that so i I've just been hearing like that's where nutrition is going for high level athletes. And I wondered what you thought about those things. Cause I've also heard people be like, ah, no, they don't work. They're not, they're not at a place yet where they're efficient or effective enough yet. We don't have enough of the science. So I was just wondering if that's something people should be spending money on if they had some extra money laying around. You know, I'm not, I think I agree that we don't have enough information yet. But I do think that it's very wise to get your blood levels checked. And this, to me, is the most frustrating thing in the world. I just asked a a physician to get me some blood work because dietitians still can't write scripts for lab work. It makes absolutely zero sense. Um, But I was denied saying it wasn't medically necessary to know what this person's blood levels, uh, vitamin levels were. Ew. That makes no sense. It makes absolutely zero sense. And this has happened multiple times. So what I suggest, if anyone's listening to this, if you're going to get your blood work done, you need to get your B12, your folate, your iron, your thyroid test, which is your T8, um, T3, T4, and TSH, 
Um, get your vitamin D tested. Even if you're, you know, an outdoor athlete, we find it can drop really low, which can lead to a lot of um, muscle aches, um, a lot of different issues with vitamin D, even depression and things like that. Um, and also your regular CBC, looking to see what your glucose is and things like that. Um, these are not standard tests still to this day. Um, and, and the thing is, if you're even running on the low end of vitamin B12, if you're, you know, it doesn't say it's low, but it's at the low end, that could be sub-deficiency. And you may not be able to do the processes that you need to do because your body's trying to feed the brain and the heart. So you really want to know what your vitamin levels are. Um, right there, I mean, that could, if you have a, we, we talk a lot with uh, female athletes on iron, but men are the same way. If you're running low, you're going to be, you're going to be taken out. Your performance drops significantly. So I really honestly think that the blood work is more important right now than the food sensitivity test. Love that. And where should people go for that? Their normal doctor or a, you a do. dietitian? In other, well, in other states besides New York, you can actually, sometimes you can actually get your own blood work test. You can write your own. For some reason, New York State is so crazy that we have to go through a physician to get those. And you have to specify what you want because otherwise they won't do it. So <laughs> crazy. it's still a frustrating time, but we're getting there. I've been in this field for 23 years and I, I've been hitting my head against the wall for many years. So I do feel like we're making some progress. So, um, but those are, I definitely would suggest for anyone, doesn't matter what age you are, it's really good to know where you're at. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, I want to ask you a couple practical questions here because, you know, like I, I think back to my childhood and the way that we ate and, you know, I, I had two parents that worked and uh, hockey is a sport where you're constantly on the go, you know, driving for practices. And it's really hard, like to have like sit down and cook and eat a family meal for a lot of hockey families. So, you know, one of the things that I wanted to ask you was just what are some kind of like good, not necessarily snack foods, but what are some good ways that you, or what is some advice that you would give for families that, that might not have time to, you know, always cook these really healthy meals for each other because they're so busy and they're running around from place to place. Okay. So I have this thing. It works extremely well. It's called the power of five. So I was a busy working mom when my kids, you know, were elementary school and packing lunches and they could do this at six and seven. So any parent, any kid can help to put this together. The power five means you have to have all five food groups. And that means it's protein, whole grains, fruits, vegetables. And we do include dairy, especially for kids, just because it's, it's, an, it's a protein source and a nutrient source. And it also gets them to get a little bit more calories. So if you can get all five food groups and put that together. So the way that this should look, work, because my girls would always choose something different. Livy would choose a Greek yogurt, um, celery with peanut butter. Um, so she has her Greek yogurt as her dairy her and protein. Um, she'd have her peanut butter for her protein as well and celery for her vegetable, an apple for fruit, and then she'd have some pretzels for her whole grain. Ellie would choose to have a sandwich, so she would have you know her bread with her whole grain. She'd have turkey as her protein. She'd have orange slices for her fruit. She would have carrots for um for her vegetable, and then she'd have milk always at school. So do you see how that can mix up? But you, the power of five makes it so easy to make sure you're going to get all the macronutrients and all the micronutrients your body needs. 
Very cool. Very yeah. cool. And and how like so just here in Tulsa, I lived at Tulsa for a year, and his family did not eat very healthy back oh, when God. I was a it teenager. Was Kelly, you would you would <laughs> like, have a heart attack with the meals that we had. Sorry, mom, if yeah. you're listening. <laughs> yeah, like, you know they tasted good, but you know like only carbs or you know. Vo- uh, uh, what's that? A lot of white processed sauce. foods. Like, what, a lot of processed foods. sauce. Like it's their J-O-B. Just not not the healthiest. But, um, you know, I have this thing where people are like, I don't have time to eat healthy. I don't have money to eat healthy. And I'm like, I have less time than you. And I eat every meal almost healthy. Like that's such an excuse. And people think, oh, I have to buy. I have to go to Whole Foods. I have to spend $300 every time at the grocery store to eat healthy. It's just not the case. So what would you say to it's somebody not- who says – I don't have the time or the money to eat healthy. Okay. So I honestly, and this is going to shock everybody. I really hate to cook and everyone thinks dietitians are like these foodie people. Like I love to eat, but not to cook. <laughs> so I, <laughs> so I always tell people you do not have to be gourmet. Everyone thinks it has to be like a cooking show. You can have a tuna fish sandwich with some cut up cucumbers and tomatoes and a glass of milk and you're complete. You're good. It does not have to be this, expensive, ridiculous thing. I'm also a huge fan of frozen vegetables because you can go to the grocery store. I actually was just there before I, you guys called in and I can grab five different things of uh, vegetables from cauliflower, broccoli, peas, whatever it is. And I can stuff them in my freezer and pull them out and have them ready every single night. So in are 99 cents for a bag, it's not expensive at all. Plus I'm a big one for bulk. Cause I said, I really don't like to cook. So if I'm going to make something, I make you know, the six chicken breasts at once so I can go upstairs at lunch and have it for lunch. So I don't have to cook lunch. It's already made. So I am big on making more at one time and also keeping it simple. Very cool. How do you feel about smoothies? Because for me, like I'm kind of the same way. I love eating, but outside of the gym and hockey and like things I like doing, I'm pretty lazy. So (laughs) the easiest way for me, and I tell all my clients to do this, um, to get in all my micronutrients and all my vegetables is smoothies. I'll have three or four smoothies a day. And again, frozen vegetables because they're cheaper and they don't expire. They'll last for a month if you wind up keeping them for a month. How do you feel about smoothies for people? So I like that you said the vegetables. What I normally hear with smoothies is a crap ton of uh, fruit. Yeah. So <laughs> you Right. So this is where, for anyone listening, fruit does have sugar and it's good. I mean, fruit is good for you, but we should be having like one to two servings of fruit a day. When people tell me what there's in their smoothie, they're like up to six servings of fruit. which is honestly just too much sugar. So if you are cutting it with the frozen vegetables, which I also love using the frozen vegetables and smoothies because it's kind of like your ice. So you don't have to use ice. It like makes it nice and cold and tastes good, right? So it's like one more step you don't have to do. Um, But just be careful with the smoothies that you're adding a ton of sugar. Um, Yeah, I agree. Someone comes in and they're like, yeah, they're like, it's great. I do vanilla yogurt with apple juice and bananas and raspberries. And I'm like, uh, that has more sugar than a soda. Like, honestly, you're getting nutrients, but you really, the sugar content is pretty high. 
totally. When I started getting into nutrition when I was 19, I was thinking I was doing a good thing by making smoothies a couple times a day. I'd throw Greek yogurt in there. But instead of using water or almond milk or something lower in calories like that for the for the base of the liquid, I would fill it up with orange juice. And then yeah. I get to college and I'm like, oh my God, there was like 300 grams of sugar in those smoothies. Like, <laughs> what was I doing? So now I'll do like, I'll pick one fruit for every smoothie. Um, and I'll try and pick three vegetables and then fill it up with uh, maybe like a uh, turmeric and carrot juice that I get from Trader Joe's, just a little bit of that to give it some more flavor. And then the rest will be water. And people are like, they'll taste it. They're like, Oh, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. And I think that people also need to kind of change their mindset. Food does not need to taste like a dessert every bite you eat. Food is made to sustain us, to satiate us, to give us energy. It doesn't need to taste like the Cheesecake Factory every single bite we put in our mouth. <laughs> That's funny. Well, hey, Ke- Kelly, you, you you guys have been talking about sugar a little bit here. And, and I recently, yeah. uh, I recently cut a lot of sugar out of my diet and I can't tell you, I mean, you probably know this and probably heard people, but like, I can't tell you how much more energy I have throughout a day when I cut out a lot of the processed foods and and the sugar. It's like, honestly, I did it because we were having our second child who's two months old now. And you guys, you know how, how it goes in those first couple months, you're not sleeping very well and your energy levels are really low. So I was like, all right, how can I better maximize my energy? Why don't I start to eat better? And I cut out the sugars and it's been like a absolute world of difference. So like one of like why is that like why is sugar so bad for us but also is that something you recommend like just go ahead mm -hmm. (laughs) you know when I we first started in the first question sorry I was like fumbling because I was just so excited to talk about nutrition but (laughs) this is but this is where we start so if we can regulate people's blood sugar levels and get them to eat evenly throughout the day and not these huge doses of sugar we actually can, that's where we can increase performance and energy because we're maintaining those blood sugar levels. So I want to explain this a little bit in a way of an analogy. So if you can picture when sugar goes into your blood, so think about you eat a Snickers bar and, or you drink a smoothie full of fruit. (laughs) And what happens is your blood sugar increases. That means you literally have sugar in your blood. So insulin is then triggered, and I want you to picture insulin like little army guys that actually like grab onto these sugars and knock on the cell door to get it in, okay? So their job is to get this sugar in there. But if there's a lot of sugar, then a lot of insulin is going to be produced, okay? So insulin's a hormone. So it gets it into the cells, and, and it's like in there. But what happens is sometimes because we're so used to eating a lot of sugar, even more insulin is produced. And then you drop low and get low blood sugar, and that's when you crave more sugar. And you're on this roller coaster ride of feeling like crap day in and day out. So it's not until like what you just did and cutting back on sugar and realizing, wow, I actually feel better because you're maintaining blood sugar levels. You don't have these highs and these super lows. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I also thought it was interesting what you said too, like kind of almost steady meals throughout the day. Cause that's another thing, you know, like as athletes, sometimes like the night before you just carbo load and you eat like a million calories in this one meal and then you don't eat for the rest of the night or, you know, a pregame meal if for a seven o'clock game, let's say you have your, your team meal at one or two or whatever it is. And you just absolutely stuff yourself and then you don't eat 
until maybe like a granola bar or a protein bar before the game. So is that like when you eat also like really important and like steady smaller meals as opposed to like what I was talking about? Yeah. So it's, I know there's a lot out there now about intermittent fasting. Um, I truly for athletes and for any of my patients, I don't agree with intermittent fasting because I don't think you're stabilizing blood sugar levels. So what we're trying to do now is to try to get people to eat a certain amount of carbohydrates evenly throughout the day. But the big, huge kicker is those carbohydrates need to have about five to seven grams of fiber with them. So when I'm counseling and teaching, I'm actually showing them where you can get these fiber-rich sources from, and your carbs should be coming from that, not just from simple carbs. Because those army guys, they actually don't come out as much if you have fiber a part of the diet. And that also feeds the gut bacteria. So if we can get foods that come from whole grains, from beans, um, from fruit, from vegetables, foods that have fiber-rich sources and they're also carbs, we find that people have a better sustainability and a much higher performance. Interesting. So could you give us like, uh, like a couple high-fiber foods that you think would be really good yeah. for us? One that just blew my mind recently, because I know a lot about nutrition, but I'm not an encyclopedia. <laughs> so like, I do look up things all the time. And the one we looked up recently, because we were actually making a smoothie. We were up at a work, we were doing a, a worksite wellness um, food demo, and we were using chia seeds. And just one tablespoon of chia seeds has something crazy, like 10 grams of fiber. That's like insane. Yeah. It's really high. Um, also, if you get like a piece of whole grain toast, you have to make sure it says 100% or whole, but just one slice can have about five grams. I brought up farro earlier. Um, in just one fourth cup of dry farro, you have about five grams of fiber. Avocado is really high. Um, has a great fiber source. Peas have an amazing fiber source. Broccoli. So foods like those are really high. Like that, I for like three or four, probably four years, I had chia seeds twice a day. I used to add them to my smoothie. I don't anymore for, for other reasons. But man, people, if you're going to add chia seeds to your smoothie, add them in slowly and kind of increase <laughs> over time, or else you will be running to the bathroom nonstop your first couple times. So just, you know, start off with a low dose of those bad boys. They'll it's, get you. It's so funny that you yeah, say that. And also- <laughs> go ahead, Kelly. Yeah. Oh, go I was just saying, also a disclaimer, when you're adding in more fiber, you need to make sure you're adding hydration. One of the fibers, um, there's soluble and insoluble fiber, and one of them pulls water from the body to, like, loosen the and one helps to get it out. So if you don't have hydration when adding in fiber, you're going to have some problems, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll, be, you'll be on that dumper for a while. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But let me let me ask Wait, you. A let, let me let oh, me ahead, let me get. I got one real quick. Is it's so funny that you were saying that because I just recently in the past month started actually taking a probiotic, and it was very similar. Where the first couple days I was doing like the whole dose. I like I read the label and it was kind of like gradually add this to your you know to your diet, and I just didn't. And yeah, it was a lot a lot of days. Uh, you know on the dumper as you call it, okay. but, <laughs> um, but, but Kelly, like I've kind of looked into the probiotics and we talked a lot about the gut health before, like, what are your thoughts on probiotics? So probi- just to give a little education, cause some people are confused of these words. 
So probiotics are live cultures that come from fermented foods. Uh, prebiotics are the fiber foods that we just talked about. Prebiotics feed the probiotics. So if you're taking probiotics and not feeding it with fiber-rich sources, you may as well be just dumping the probiotic down the toilet. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. Um, so probiotics are these live cultures. They now know that um, the digestive tract is kind of like a tropical rainforest. There's thousands of different bacteria that live there. And so they recommend mixing it up. So if you're taking, I'll give some examples, like uh, people know the word align. That's one of the, uh, you know, best-selling probiotics, which is really good. But they're suggesting the next month to get a different form of probiotics and then switch it up again. You also can get probiotics naturally from fermented foods like kefir, kimchi, uh, sauerkraut. And if you think about every single culture since the beginning of time had their own fermented foods. We've been eating probiotics since the start of time. We just got away from it somehow. Have you ever had natto, Kelly? Oh, no, I haven't, but it's on my list. Is it good? Uh, no, it's, it looks <laughs> like it's, the, I, I, I played in Japan for two years and the Japanese uh-huh. guys, they ate it after every meal because of that. It's a fermented yeah. food. Oh my God. It yeah. just looks disgusting. It's like stringy and like, oh, I just, I couldn't do it. <laughs> well, the first time I had, I used to be the Wegmans dietitian. So we tried new products. And the first time I had kimchi was a similar experience. Not kimchi, <laughs> sorry, kombucha. And um, I've now had a lot of different kombuchas after that that have not tasted that bad, but the first time was not a pleasant experience. Um, so I think, and I tell that with people like with kimchi and things like that, there's so many different varieties that if you didn't like it the first time, you may like it in a different form. So just, you know, because I really was like, I'm never trying that again. And some guy was like, no, you need to try this because you probably just had a totally different kind. And I'm glad I did because it really, I actually bought one recently. We were um, in California. I'm like, I'm going to try it again. And it was delicious. So just, you know, keep a little bit of an open mind. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, keep an open mind, will you? Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, I, hey, I'm pretty <laughs> open. But, like, I mean, also those Japanese guys, they were eating, like, whole fish, like the head of the fish they were eating. <laughs> and I was like, listen, guys, get me an American bento box. I can't do this. I'm sorry. Um, well, talking about the that whole thing, I mean, that's where omega-3s, we haven't really talked about anti-inflammatory for athletes, but if you're not eating fish, and I, just, I bring it up because the brain of the fish actually has like a ton of omega-3s, um, but that's where it can actually help reduce inflammation. So if you're not eating fish, I'm not big on supplements, but this is one of them, just like the vitamin D, if you're not getting it, you have to supplement. So um, if you're not eating fish, you should be taking a fish-based omega-3. Hundred percent. I tell all, all my guys that. But also, how do you? Here's a good question because I also get asked this: How do I find a good supplement? Because yeah, I can go to Walmart and buy fish oil for eight dollars, but is that am I getting everything that they're saying I'm getting in there? Because supplements are not regulated by the FDA. Unfortunately, in the U.S., we don't care about our citizens with food and <laughs> stuff like that. I mean, we don't. It's not, I lived in Europe and Japan for seven years. Like Their food testing over there and what they allow people to eat is so much more intense. They care about what people are eating and putting in their bodies, and we do not here, which is gross. But how do I find a good, reputable supplement for fish oil, let's say? 
So my whole thing is you need to make sure, just like we were talking about the dairy, you need to know where it's coming from. And there should be third-party research, if you look up those sites, that they are getting tested. There's a, there's a bunch of different, and I wish I could come up with what the name of it, I got to sit in on a conference of exactly what you're saying. So there's a third-party company that actually goes out and pulls it from the shelf and tests it to see if it's saying what it actually has. There are some brands that I know that I've worked with that I feel comfortable suggesting. Um, I personally don't sell any products. Um, I do recommend high-quality brands. Um, and you know, one of them is Euro Pharma. So the guy actually started Nature Way. He sold it, and now he just does high-quality stuff. It's expensive, but it's the real deal, and it's been used in clinical studies. Um, and so, uh, you know, um, his omega-3s are unbelievable because it actually comes from the fish brain and getting the research of why that's important versus just getting a fish oil, which could become rancid and not actually have the omega-3s that it normally has. But supplements are scary. I agree with you. Um, You have to do your research when taking things because the most or the least expensive supplement is actually the most expensive if it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way of looking totally. at it. Yeah. Totally. Well, one of, I have a million questions here. I'm just I'm <laughs> This is the most I feel like you've spoken on a podcast. It's pretty well, pretty I'm just funny. Stoked. I mean, like usually we'd have to pay her tons of money and I'm just going to ask her every question <laughs> in my head. I mean, well, hold on. Let me let me ask let me ask one real quick because like we're talking about uh, you know, cost and stuff. One of the cheapest um, things that you can do to better your health is just drink a buttload of water <laughs> and hydration. And, uh, you know, hydration is something that is like, you know, so important, but I feel like it's not talked about enough. So like, if you can, could you just kind of talk to us a little bit about how much water we should drink as athletes and just how important it is to our overall wellness and, and performance as well? It's everything. I mean, it is, you know, back to gut health. We now know that these gut bacteria will die if they don't have enough hydration. And and that's kind of a weird thing to say, because I know we're talking about performance, but if you, again, that's going to lead directly to it. Um, It is crucial for an athlete to maintain, just like we're saying, having stable blood sugar levels to maintain the hydration levels. So they can't just get to practice and drink two liters of water that's not going to sustain their hydration. So my daughter has her big sectional swim meet coming up on Friday. And of course I'm always on her about water, but this, I'm, this week I'm like, Elizabeth, you have to make sure, you know, you're getting your electrolytes with your water consistently. I want you to drink three of these bottles throughout school, you know, and I know it's hard. She's got it she's in class. She has to go to the bathroom, but she is going to have a much higher performance level on Friday with getting that hydration throughout this entire week prior to that meet. So in just in ourselves, I mean, we have whole presentations on hydration and it's in every single talk I do. It regulates your body temperature. It helps get rid of all toxins. It helps cells to move and to have mobility. It helps our joints and it prevents headaches. I mean, look, I, the list goes on and on and on, and it's as simple as drinking water. It really is. So what I recommend is that if someone can get 20 ounces in the morning, 20 ounces like at that lunchtime, about 10 ounces of that snack, and another 20 ounces around dinner time, that's 70 ounces. An athlete would be even a little bit more than that. 
But if I can get 70 ounces into someone, I'm telling you, it's a world of difference. People that have headaches, gone. People that have acne, gone. Like it truly helps get rid of all the toxins and helps hydrate that body. Love that. That was a game changer for me when I was around 17. I started carrying around, it's actually hilarious. I started carrying on a Simply Orange bottle. Our housing mom would buy it for, for me and Jeff Lurk, who Toph and I have had on the podcast before. Um, and it's about, I want to say it was 72 ounces, the bottle of Simply Orange. So we'd finish it. Obviously I was putting it all in my smoothies. Like I said earlier, like an idiot, but I know better now. (laughs) And then I'd fill it up with water for the week and every day I'd fill it up twice and make sure that I, that I drank it and everybody made fun of me. But, um, you know, I, I felt unbelievable. It was like the biggest game changer ever, just making sure that I was getting, you know, a, a, hundred ounces of water a day, um, maybe more because I just sweat like a disgusting pig. But <laughs> you do. Uh, you sweat yeah, a lot. Pretty gross. Pretty gross. <laughs> um, but let me ask you this because that leads right into one of the questions that I told Tof I wanted to ask you. So many kids abuse Gatorade. Um, you know, like, and I, and I was one of them when I was a kid and I didn't know anything. I'd have three Gatorades a day. Well, when you look at the back of that Gatorade bottle, a normal Gatorade has as much sugar as a can of Coke, um, maybe more depending on the size of the Gatorade. So is Gatorade good? Is Gatorade bad? Is there a time when, when athletes who sweat a lot or are performing a lot should have Gatorade or, or yeah, some kind so of I'm, I'm so glad you guys are asking this question because the saddest thing I see is going into schools and teaching and seeing Gatorade on the desks. So I, what I try to teach is that Gatorade, as we, a lot of us know, the older people know that it was designed for the Florida Gators. It was designed for football players that were sweating in Florida during pre-season. So that's what it was designed for, and that's what it should be used for. It is, like we talked about in recovery, that carbohydrate protein intake, it is a simple carb, and it's going to replenish the cells. Plus, it has the electrolytes to help the hydration get into the cells, but that's the only time that it's appropriate. So during the actual event or right afterwards, it should not be drank during the day. If you want electrolytes during the day, you can use products like Motive Pure, uh, which do not have sugar. They just have electrolytes, and you put it in a water bottle. Um, you can use the Non. Um, I like the Motive Pure better because it comes in liquid form, so you don't get that weird, you know, stuff. I don't like stuff in my water. Um, but you can do something that you're adding in those electrolytes. Um, but you you really shouldn't be drinking Gatorade on a regular basis. Thank you. That makes me so happy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I see kids do I see kids doing it all the time and I'll see, you know, little chubby kids, little overweight kids that are running around drinking Gatorade and their parents are like, yeah, he's doing a great job. He's drinking a bunch of Gatorade. I'm like, that's just as bad as soda. Like, stop it. That's it. And so there's a lot of health halos out there and that's one of them. And, you know, one of them, I took my brother, the lacrosse coach, and I took his senior um, group on a grocery store tour. And, uh, you know, we picked up one of the Bolt House, whatever, smoothie things, and it has as much sugar or double as a soda. And they were shocked, you know. So uh, it could be coming in the way of an iced tea. Uh, the last iced tea I picked up that I saw was, you know, a good name, the, the tea leaf which I, or pure leaf or whatever it was. And the peach tea had 50 grams 
of sugar. Yikes. And it looks healthy. It says all natural. It says great. Like, and this is where we don't realize how many ways we're getting attacked with sugar. It's coming in everywhere. So would you say maybe the simple biggest life hack, health hack that people should do is turn over that food label, or, you know, whatever, <laughs> and just read the nutritional information? Like, what? Yeah, I do. I do because – but you need to understand what, what to look for on that label. True. So that's where it can be confusing, and I – and that's why it's too bad it's confusing. And they're trying to simplify things. It's just. I, oh, I come think, on. They're know. trying to confuse us, Kelly. I don't believe that. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> but, you know, that day that I saw that the peach tea had 50 grams of sugar, I was at a work site out in Ohio. And the girl next to me had just told me before we sat down for lunch that she was struggling with her weight. And then I saw the peach cheese and she goes, oh, I love those. I have three of those a day. And I realized that she has absolutely no idea that she's getting 150 grams of sugar, which basically equates to, I think that's like 40 40 teaspoons of sugar, if you were going to break that down. So she has no idea she's consuming that. And so if she had just turned it over the way I did and go, oh, and like I put it back, you know, and I just grabbed the water. She wouldn't probably have the health conditions or the weight issues that she's having. So it's sad to me that people still don't know, but we still don't have nutrition education in school. We yeah. still aren't having sports teams, having dietitians come in to talk to people. Like it's still shocking to me that we're, we're still not doing that. Yeah, and we talked about it even before the podcast. I mean, when it comes to your health, your food is like your most important thing. And even like MDs, like doctors that are giving medical advice, they take what, like one nutrition class? That's all they have to take for their certification or something like that? It's crazy. Yeah, Yeah. and then, you know, and like I said, I'm not knocking doctors. They're fantastic, and they do so much for us. Um, But they're, you know, so I said my significant other is a doctor, so we're really not knocking doctors. Um, but it's, you know, he's going for his robotic training and he's going for, you know, new medications or better practices in surgery. He's not going for nutrition. So that's where also like we're constantly dietitians have to get 75 continuing ed credits every five years. So we're constantly having to get more education and be up on the newest and latest research. Which, which is amazing to me too. I mean, this is a total side topic. I'm going to get back to like how we can help hockey players, but you know, <laughs> what do you, what do you, what do you do every single day? You breathe 10 to 20,000 times you eat and you drink every single day, no matter what, when we're alive, you know, as humans, we're going to be doing that. So why don't we learn how to breathe better? You know, nasal breathing, diaphragmatic breathing, things like meditation, things like that. Learn what you should be drinking and not drinking and what you should be eating. And I truly believe that anyone who's going to spend money on trainers or on a strength coach or on, um, you know, a skills coach, your first session, I'd rather you spend that going to talk to someone like you, Kelly, a nutrition, a dietitian, someone, even one time and just being like, let's just learn as much as we can. Give me what I should look for. And then, you know, schedule sessions, maybe monthly or something. So you at least have a base knowledge of what you should be putting in your mouth, eating and drinking six times every day, all year long. I, I do agree. And the thing is, I, I see a lot of young athletes and what I hear from different coaches and things. And I'm really glad that you said that was 
I hear people say, people know how to eat healthy, they just don't. (sighs) I've heard that statement so many times, and I'm telling you from doing private practice for 15 years, people do not know. They are so confused. Yeah. So it's, it, it's it really awful. is. I want to knock that down. Like they really don't know. Yeah. I would, and, and that's why you need to pay someone like you. And, and I'm going to take that right into um, how we can help hockey players. Like, you know, you have a coach who played hockey. Okay. Maybe it was a high level. Maybe it wasn't. It doesn't mean he knows about nutrition. Like maybe he can tell you what he did, but like, you need to have these people, even if you teams, coaches, organizations, even if you have the entire organization come into a big auditorium one night, then you can pay, you know, someone like Kelly, a nutritionist to speak to the whole organization for one night. That is money so well spent that will make your kids better at life, better at school, better at sleeping, just everything like food plays such a major role in our life. And then on top of that, it will help your team because they'll have better athletic performance. So segueing very smoothly into that, (laughs) what types of meals would you say um, athletes should be eating uh, before and after a game? Like we already talked about supplementation, Gatorade, possibly chocolate milk, three to one carbs to protein, post-exercise, post-workout. What kind of actual food for the meals before and after do you think they should be eating? So you guys kind of touched on carb loading and things like that. Um, we now have proven that that is not effective. You have to have a balance of carbohydrates, proteins, fats, making sure vitamins, uh, your vegetables are also present. So this is where a balanced diet comes into play. So if you look at your plate, if you can picture what a plate looks like, You want to make sure that 50% of that plate, when you're in season, is carbohydrate sources that do have fiber-rich sources with them. This is where a potato or your whole grain, long grain rice, beans, so half of that plate should be coming from this really good uh, complex carbohydrate source. And then 25% of the plate should be coming from protein. This is one of those things, again, that I see that athletes are confused about. Even if we're in a non-athlete plate versus full athlete, we're in full season, protein sources stay the same. It's about 15 to 30 grams per meal throughout the day, and you can have about that 1 to 10 grams at snack time. If you have more than 30 grams of protein that's sitting, your body can't break it down. You're going to store it as fat. More protein does not mean bigger muscle. You have to work out to get muscle. So I just want to make that clear. So Did you hear that, Toph? Hey, hey, you know what? I saw Kelly at the gym last Friday, so that's where I asked her to be on the podcast, so boom. Yeah, but then you turned around and walked back out. Nope. I did not. Kelly, Kelly, tell him. You saw me there. He was there. He was there. Eat it, Jeffrey. All right, kudos. um, And then you want to make sure that you're getting a good healthy fat. So fats are one of those things that, again, have gone round and round, the good, bad, what do we do? You have to make sure that fat's there. So making sure you have some olive oil, avocado. um, You can use all the vegetable oils. Um, There's different ones, and this is like getting high nutrition. But if you're cooking with foods, you want to make sure you have a high point. um, It's called a smoke point. So you don't want to cook like a stir fry with olive oil. If it smokes, it turns to a bad fat. And a lot of people don't know that either. Interesting. So if you're cooking at a high temperature, you want to make sure you're cooking with something like a canola oil or even – 
um, an avocado oil has a much higher smoke point. But make sure there's a fat source because that's going to help absorb vitamins A, D, E, and K. Then you're going to have the other 25% I want of vegetables, okay? So vegetables need to be present for that fiber-rich source and to get the micronutrients. So if you can picture that plate, 50% looks like beans, and it can even be fruits at the carbohydrate source, uh, potatoes, whatever's going to go in that grain section, 25% is the protein, making sure we have a little bit of fat, and then vegetables are the other 25%. This, to me, is the perfect balance that we should be getting. And even let's think about it for breakfast. This would look like having your eggs in your protein section. You could have um, an omelet with your uh, onions, peppers, spinach, tomatoes, and then you have some, maybe you have some hash brown with a whole grain toast. So this is every meal. I want the plate to look like this. So if you can picture a plate, it makes it a lot easier than talking about calories. Love that. Yeah. I, I, I always tell people who have even a tiny bit of knowledge and, and part of my training in the gym is teaching them about, you know, at least a little bit about nutrition. I say, if, if you break, how do I eat healthy? What do I eat? Blah, blah, blah. Listen, if you have a protein, carb, vegetable, and fat at every meal, you're at least doing pretty well. Like, you know, you go to restaurants, you see people only eat pasta. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, where's your fat? Where's your protein? Like, where are your veggies? Just straight up pasta. Like, what are you doing? Like every meal, it's not that hard. Every single meal, protein, carb, veggie, fat, at least then you're doing pretty well. Is that, would you say that that's like easy, simple advice or is that breaking it down too much? Nope, it's perfect. So I even, we work at five college campuses. You're right. I see cereal go by me. I see pasta go by me. I see every, there is no color. There's no protein and you're going to fall down. So it doesn't matter if you are a pro athlete or you're five years old, you're not going to be able to sustain a high level of performance if you're not getting the balance that you just talked about. I love that. So that, let's segue from, from that into what we talked about off air before the plant based diet that's getting very popular nowadays. A, a, a um, documentary just came out on Netflix called Game Changers. I'm sure you being in the nutrition industry, everyone is texting you. Have you watched this? Have you watched that? I get it every, every other day. Hey, did you watch this yet? And I'm like, yes, I did. Um, I have a lot of friends that are plant-based athletes now. I have friends that are plant-based humans, non-athletes. I have people who are like, you're an idiot if you do that. And, you know, <laughs> the hardest thing that we've talked about is, is, you know, one person says, oh, milk's the greatest thing you could ever drink. And then the next doctor says, no, milk's the devil. One person says, eat a ton of chicken. The next says, chicken will kill you immediately. <laughs> so with plant-based diets growing in popularity, what are your thoughts on them? Okay, this is the deal. So what we just talked about with having the whole grains being 50% and the vegetables being another 25, every dietitian is plant-based. The plants should be the base of your diet, okay? It doesn't mean that you have to cut out animal protein, but you have to understand animal protein, that every animal naturally has saturated fat. Saturated fat is the one fat that's been linked to our bodies to not be so great for us. If you're having lean animal protein sources, it actually helps to absorb a lot better than the plant-based. If you talk about there's heme iron that is in your protein that comes from animals, and then there's non-heme that comes from plants, your body absorbs heme protein 
way better, about 15 to 35% versus 2 to 20% of the non-heme. So I honestly believe there's a reason that animal protein has all essential amino acids, all nine. It also has an amazing iron source. It has tons of B vitamins. And I find that my athletes and also my patients that don't have a little bit of animal protein tend to have to take supplements. And I really feel that if, we, if we're taking supplements, we're missing something from our diet. And I do think that animal protein has a big play. It only should be about 25%. But I think that the fats that are coming from our fish, um, the nutrients that are coming from eggs, um, the, the, that iron source that comes from our lean beef, I do think it really, truly makes a difference in our health. So the big, the big question then for, for people to ask themselves, ask their grocer, whoever they're buying their food from then, is where is my protein coming from and how is it taken care of and stuff like that then? Is that what you're saying? I do. And I've been really lucky. I'm a media dietitian. And so because I'm a media dietitian, I get asked to go on these food tours, which is pretty cool. So I've been actually to the beefs in um, in Kansas. I've been at the Eglin's farm um, in outside of Rochester um, and saw the chickens, saw how they're done. Like, so I've been able to see things firsthand. I've been on dairy farms and get the education. I've been strawberry fields where Driscoll's is packaged. So understanding and getting the knowledge firsthand of what feed are they actually getting, where is your food coming from, you're going to, it's honestly, I mean, maybe I'm just dorky, but I think it's really cool uh, when you actually start figuring out what is done and how one product's going to differ from the other. Very cool. Very cool. Well, that, let me ask you about this, and this is a huge topic between like uh, people who are super into this um, field is genetically modified organisms. I know that this is it could go on probably forever talking about this, but what are your what are your thoughts on on foods that contain GMOs? Uh, it's so hard. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that I want them to eat more. You know, vegetables. And then we get into these GMO things, and I'm like, so the other countries, as people don't know listening to this, other countries have banned GMOs. They've never allowed them. We, like you said, for some reason, America doesn't really care about what we eat. I don't know why. Um, but these GMOs are genetically altered. And so it's different. If you think about apples, they're cross-pollinated. Their, their DNA hasn't been changed. These GMOs, their genetic makeup has been altered and they are thinking, and it's not been researched, it's not been proven. And so I'm not writing a book about it, but they do think that this may cause a little bit more of these food sensitivities and things like that. So do I eat completely organic, which means that they can't contain GMOs? I don't eat completely organic. Do I try to make sure I know where my food's coming from and understand it? Yes. But I don't want people, what happened is, is what we found as dietitians, people's fruit and vegetable content dropped, or how much they were consuming dropped, because they were afraid of pesticides and GMOs. And then, well, so Doritos are not better. That's where the conflict. <laughs> you know what I, like, see what I mean? Like, this is where we're in this conflict, where I just want people to eat more of whole foods. And, but it's tough. So if you eat organic, it means it cannot contain GMOs. Yeah, that's, but that's you tough. can also see the label that says non-GMO project verified. 
So even if they're not organic, there's a ton of products now that are non-GMO project verified and it has a little butterfly on it. So you can look for those foods. Um, and you can get frozen organic vegetables, like you, you, oh, they, yeah. and and frozen everything, vegetables and fruit are so much cheaper than fresh. Obviously, yes, fresh tastes a little bit better. There's no doubt about that. But with the frozen, it's going to last longer. You're saving money, and you can still get organic, non-GMO. Um, frozen fruits and veggies. And that's like, I'm telling you people, that's the easiest way to get in your veggies is a couple smoothies a day, mix them with some fruit, super easy. So in the frozen vegetables are flash frozen and the fruit is in vegetable or at peak perfection. So you're actually stealing in nutrients because people would say like, oh, it's less nutrient dense. It's actually, it's not traveling anywhere. It's actually flash frozen. Interesting. Um, So the frozen vegetables are great. The other thing is a lot of people don't know a lot of foods are not genetically modified so like as of right now strawberries are not genetically modified or peanuts are not genetically modified so there's a lot of foods that still are not just so that we're clear on that there's not every food is genetically modified Awesome. Cool. Awesome. Well, Kelly, this has been so informative and uh, I've certainly learned a lot and we've done a lot of these podcast episodes and a lot of times I'll, uh, I'll, I'll grade, let's say I grade the episode based upon how many notes I've taken because I like to take notes and uh, I got like 17 pages of notes here. So <laughs> really appreciate it. But before we do let you go, um, I, I'd love for you to just kind of talk about the business that you created. You created Kelly's Choice in 2012. Um, you have a great website, kellyschoice.org. And uh, so if you can, just tell our listeners a little bit about uh, the company created, maybe some of the services that you provide and and, uh, kind of what you do for the general public to increase the health and wellness out there. Yeah, thanks so much. So I started um, Kelly's Choice after I had worked for Wegmans for two years because I was actually hired for Wegmans for the employees, not necessarily for the customers. And I realized that there was this huge need in our communities by getting nutrition education out to companies, sports teams, uh, school districts. And so I've been very fortunate since that time to be able to work in all of these avenues. Um, I actually have a master's in health education as well. So it's a passion of mine to teach and to teach young kids, young athletes about the power of nutrition. It's also really fun for me to go into work sites and do it too. And um, also during this time, I've been on TV shows giving people education on different food products that are newly out there, Um, you know, new chickpea snacks that have been released that are easy and convenient but still good and great for you. Or it's been over 200 brands I think I've represented. Um, But now we have a virtual platform so we can see and do private practice um, with anyone at any time from all over the world. Um, we also um, have corporate wellness um, groups that we can do and also webinars for sports teams um, and also do private practice. So there's so many avenues. I now have 15 dietitians that work for me, um, which are all amazing dietitians. We all have our own specialties. Some um, work with our Head Start contracts or some of our Office of the Aging or some of our sports teams or colleges. Um, so it's just really fun um, to see what this has grown into. Um, so it's, it's pretty cool. But I would love to do more in the way of sports nutrition. I would love to get out and present um, to any college or team or professional team 
that wants to learn more about nutrition. I make it fun um, that and people can ask anything they want to. Very cool. Do you, do you have a website that uh, people can go to look yes. up your information and I maybe contact you? just said the website, you? Jeff. Did you? You don't listen when I <laughs> yeah. talk. Gosh. No, just kidding. Go oh ahead, my Kelly. God. It's, uh, <laughs> it's kellyschoice.org. So .org, not .com, but kellyschoice.org. Cool. Well, for all of our listeners, again, nutrition is something that uh, obviously Jeff is really passionate about. And uh, it was really cool to kind of hear you guys talk about it in, in a way that is very informative, but also so the simpletons like me can actually understand what you guys are talking about and better, you know, better able to put some food in our bodies that'll make us healthier. And, and for the athletes that are listening, uh, increase our performance. So Kelly, this has been absolutely awesome and we really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to to speak to us and to our listeners and uh yeah i'm sure we'll see you around and thanks again you're welcome thank you for having me i appreciate it yeah all right have a good one take care you too.